Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study of the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. There are pastors that don't like people. If you're a pastor and you don't like people, God has not called you to pastor. Because part of the duties of being a pastor is liking people. Somebody say amen. Ay, ay, ay. You can be a teacher and not be called a pastor. But if you're called a pastor, then God's going to give you the, the gift to teach. Now, I don't know why anybody would even want a pastor. There's so many people that come to me and go, oh, you know, Pastor Rodney, I think God has called me to pastor. I'm like, no, he hasn't. They go, yes, he has. I go, no, he hasn't. I try to talk him out of it. I honestly try to talk people out of it because if God didn't call you to pastor, you don't want this. You don't want this. I think people think that pastors only work one day a week and that's why they want to be a pastor. I really do think that. They don't realize pastors do not work one day a week. Pastors work seven days a week, 365 days a year. Pastors work every single day. You don't ever have a day off. People talk about your day off. You don't have a day off because the day that you have off, for example, my day off is Monday, tomorrow. Do you know Monday? Because I have preached so much and poured out so much on Sunday. On Monday, I don't want to do anything but look at the ceiling and ask God to please let me go. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm keeping it 100. Can you handle it? I'm like, God, I, I don't want to do this anymore. God, I, don't, I just killed it. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's hard. I'm tired. And then next week I come back, preach. Next Monday, God, I don't like it anymore. I'm so tired. I don't want to do it anymore. God, I quit. I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. I quit. Next Sunday, I preach. Monday, God, I quit. I really do. This time I really do. You don't want to be a pastor? Not unless God calls you to it. Now, if God calls you to it, you have no choice but to be a pastor. You have no choice but to follow God because it's God calling you. Every pastor has the gift of teaching, but not every teacher has the gift of pastoring. The role of pastor teacher is to feed and care for and protect the flock. I think of Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Write it down. Paul was speaking in a pastor's conference, and he said, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. In 1 Timothy 5, 2, 3, says essentially the same thing. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, Nobody's making you do it, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. 
Look at verse 11, if you will, in your Bibles again. Notice two very important words, he himself. The he spoken of is Jesus. It doesn't say, and they themselves. It's Jesus who gives the church these gifts and ministries to build up his body. It's Jesus' church. Somebody say amen. It's Jesus' work. It's Jesus who appoints these offices, not men. It's Jesus who appoints these offices, not men. You don't call yourself to the apostle. You don't call yourself to the bishop. And by the way, the word apostle, bishop, pastor, overseer, elder is all the same Greek word. It all simply means overseer. All of it. So why do we have so many titles in the church? They all mean the same thing. But everybody got to have a title in the church. You notice that? Everybody got to have a title. Well, I'm bishop bishop so-and-so. Well, I'm apostle so-and-so. Well, I'm evangelist so-and-so. Well, I'm bishop, reverend, evangelist, so-and-so. Well, I'm bishop, reverend, evangelist, apostle, and pastor, so-and-so. Your turn. (laughs) Well, I'm, everybody has to have a title. Listen, you don't need a title. You need a calling. And if you have a calling, you won't feel so led to tell people your title. Somebody say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's Jesus who appoints these men. It's Jesus' church. Don't you remember Jesus said to Peter, Pete, upon this rock I will build, somebody help me, my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. These offices or gifts to the church are a divine institution, not a human invention. Now I want you to look at verse 11 again. We have the gift of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Now, if you've been with us in 1 Corinthians, you know we've already talked about the gift of prophecy. And I told you that the Greek word for prophecy is prophetia. In the Old Testament, it means foretelling of future events. If you don't have that written down, write it down. It means foretelling of future events. The New Testament, it means forthtelling, speaking forth telling of the word of God. As we talked about prophecy is forthtelling the word of God. You could also say it's the gift of expounding on the word of God. Therefore, the gift of prophecy is often intertwined with the gift of teaching. Well, let's move forward. The gifted office of apostle definition. The apostle is the gifted office or position to be an ambassador or a delegate, a messenger, Someone commissioned or someone sent forth with orders from God. The apostle is the gifted office or position to be an ambassador, delegate, a messenger, someone commissioned or someone sent forth with orders from God. Now, again, we're talking about the gifts. And in this case, we're talking about the gifted office. There are those who tell you that the office of or the position of apostle ended with the 12 apostles that Jesus handpicked when he was doing his earthly ministry. They say that there are no apostles. There are no apostles today. Well, you might remember in Jesus' earthly ministry, he chose how many apostles? Somebody tell me. How many? 12. Very good. One of the 12 was a traitor and turned his back on Jesus. What was his name? Judas. Very good. I taught y'all well. Judas was so overcome with guilt, he went out and did what? Ooh, y'all want it today. Later in the book of Acts, Judas' office was replaced by, does anybody know? 
Y'all knew that? I am a great teacher. It was a total of 13 men to have ever been an apostle. Now listen, stay with me. Galatians chapter 1 verse 19 tells us James, the brother of Jesus, was an apostle. That's 14. Acts 14.4 tells us Barnabas was an apostle. That's 15. Romans chapter 16 verse 7. Andronicus and Junius were also apostles. That's 16. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 along with chapter 2. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy were noted as apostles. That's three more. That's 19. So even though Jesus appointed 12 apostles, there were many who had the title of apostle after the 12 were chosen. So then the question comes to mind, are there apostles today? I would say yes. But in a broad sense, I would say all believers have or are called to an apostolic ministry. Although I don't think that there are apostles today in the same authoritative sense of the first century apostles. Because the first century apostles were used to lay the foundation of the early church. I would say that missionaries have an apostolic ministry. I would say that in a general broad sense, I have an apostolic ministry. Uh, You guys know we moved from uh, California to North Carolina. We were sent here with orders from God to start a church, to plant a church, and to teach the Bible to those in the triangle. So I would say that I have an apostolic ministry, if you will. Again, I don't feel the need to tell people I'm an apostle. I just, I don't know why. It just feels a little arrogant to me. I don't know why. Amen. Well, you didn't have to amen there, but... uh, Take it back. <laughs> Men, <hey. laughs> you know, I, I, I think, you know, you know, anyone sent with a message has an apostolic ministry. Well, let's move on to the gifted office of evangelist definition. I would define an evangelist as someone with the supernatural ability from the Holy Spirit to communicate the gospel in relevant terms to unbelievers to bring conviction and repentance and ultimately leading to conversion. I told you the Greek word for evangelist means the bringer of good news. Write that down if you don't have it written down. Evangelist means the bringer of good news. There are those in the body of Christ who have a gift to bring people to an understanding of gospel in a way that is convicting and provoking to action. Who can think of an evangelist and not think of D.L. Moody? D.L. Moody was a great evangelist and a powerful instrument in the hand of God as God used him to bring revival to Scotland and England. And who can think of evangelists and not think of Billy Graham? And who can think of evangelists and not think of Billy Sunday? And who can think of an evangelist and not think of Frederick B. Meyer? And who can think of evangelists and not think of Mordecai Ham? Who can think of evangelism and not think of G. Campbell Morgan or Martin Lloyd-Jones? G. Campbell Morgan was called the Prince of Expositors. The Prince of Expositors. C.A. Spurgeon was called the Prince of what? Preachers, you know that. G. Campbell Morgan helped shape evangelical preaching on both sides of the Atlantic. Martin Lloyd-Jones said the best advice he ever got was from Mr. Morgan or G. Campbell Morgan. The advice was concerning preaching, and he said to Martin, he said, read the text. 
Here's the advice he gave concerning preaching. He said, read the text, read it again, and read it again. Read it 25 to 50 times, the whole book, in context. Only then will you understand the text and be ready to preach it. I have told pastors, the people have asked me, Pastor Rodney, how do you prepare your sermons? And how do you do a sermon, put together a sermon? And I always tell them, first of all, read the text. And when you're done reading the text, read it again. And read the text about 25 times, at minimum 25 times. You would be surprised if you take a text and read it 25 times, how all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will show something to you that you've never seen before. It's almost like this has happened to me. It's almost like where the Holy Spirit just kind of highlighted something in the text. I'm like, I never saw that before. After you read the text and read the text and and when you're done reading the text, then read it again. And only then will you understand the text and be ready to preach it, he said. And who can think of evangelism and not think of a shoe clerk by the name of Mr. Kimball? Mr. Kimball? It's 1858, and Mr. Kimball used his gift of evangelism and led a shoe clerk to give his life to the Lord. That shoe clerk was D.L. Moody. As you know, D.L. Moody became an evangelist. In 1879, Moody led Frederick B. Meyer to the Lord, and God gave him the gift of evangelist. Frederick B. Meyer was pastoring a small church and preaching to an American college campus and brought to Christ a student by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman got involved in the YMCA work and employed the former baseball player, Billy Sunday, to do some evangelistic work. Billy Sunday held a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a group of local businessmen were so enthusiastic after the revival, they planned another evangelical outreach and brought Mordecai Ham in to preach. Mordecai Ham's revival was well-received, and in the audience was a young man that heard the gospel for the first time and responded in faith and trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and his name was Billy Graham. Do you understand how important it is to ask God to show you your place in the body and then use your gift in that place that God showed you because you don't know who you're preaching to. You don't know that that third grader that you're teaching in that third grade room, God's not going to raise him up and someday he's going or she's going to evangelize the entire world and people are going to come to know Jesus. You don't know that. That's why you need Y'all need to clap your hands and say amen or breathe breathe. You don't know that. That's why we got to be faithful to what God has called us to do and not worry about the results. So we down there changing poopy diapers in the nursery. And you're like, I don't change no poopy diapers. I hate changing poopy diapers. I don't want to change no poopy diapers. These ain't my kids. No way. Where your parents at? Change the poopy diapers. And we whining and complaining or teaching the third graders, listen, you don't know that that little child that you changing the poopy diapers for, that you showed the love of Jesus to, that you read the Bible to while their parents sat up in big church and heard the teaching of the word of God, that God's not going to use that little one to evangelize their whole school. And I don't know about you, but the school system needs evangelizing. Y'all ain't clapping like you mean it. Y'all ain't clapping like you mean it. The whole school system needs evangelizing. I just told you, I just told you about what what the school system, did I I tell y'all this service? Was it this service? Amen. Y'all got to remind me because I 
I forget. I'm, I'm, one day run, all the services run together. And y'all all look alike. And I, <laughs> yes, sir. You don't know. So I'm on the base at Alltech in the Bahamas, remember? And we're in this church outside the base. This is, the, this is a Bohemian church. And um, in this church, they have five people. There literally are five members of this church, five. And the name of the church is, I told you, Small Hope Christian Church. I told you it would be my recommendation to change the name, but Small Hope Christian Church. I'm like, y'all should change our name. And, uh, and uh, they have five people in the church, so I went to speak there. And since I was a visitor on the island, and uh, four or five people went with me from the base, so there's probably a total of eight or nine of us in this sanctuary is pretty big. And I told you then, I'll tell you now, I don't think I remember feeling the anointing of God that I felt in that room with those five people that I have ever felt in all the 33 years that I've done ministry. And God has blessed me. I have had the privilege and the honor to speak before 25,000 people. I have spoken before 5,000 people. I have spoken before 12,000 people. I've spoken before 500 people, 200 people, 100 people. I don't care how many people it is, but five people in a room, I felt the Spirit of God in that place like I have never felt the Spirit of God in any place I've ever preached. Those people love, those five people love Jesus. They love Jesus with the same fervor and energy as 25,000 people. And in the back, there was this, eight, he couldn't have been more than 18 years old, 18, 19 years old, bohemian young man. He's sitting there holding a, a video camera, videoing me preaching, and he's got the Bible in his lap, and he's got a pen and pad, because you know I'm always like, got your pen, got your pad, got your heart. So he had a pen and pad right here. He had the Bible on his lap right here, and he's holding up videoing me, you know, because he wanted to catch my sermon. So he's holding up trying to catch the video of me preaching and taking notes at the same time and reading the Bible at the same time, and I am preaching my heart out. I am preaching my, I am preaching my, I'm sweating. I'm preaching my heart out. You know why? Because first of all, those five people deserve to hear the word of God, number one. Amen. Number two, I don't know. Maybe that young man sitting on the back row holding that camera will be the next Billy Graham. You don't know. The reality is you be faithful to what God called you to do, and God will be faithful to do what God does best, and that is save people and use them for his glory. That's, that, that's what we need to be doing about the Father's business and talking about evangelism. Who can think of the gift of evangelism and not think of Greg Glory? You know who Greg Glory is? Huh? If you're not familiar with Greg Glory, he's a senior pastor of Calvary Chapel. It's actually Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And he does the Harvest Crusades around the country. And hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people have gotten saved. I can't think of the gift of evangelism and not think of, I'm not going to tell you his name. But he is a Calvary Chapel pastor. And he was an assistant pastor when I was going to a Calvary Chapel, and this man had a gift of evangelism. I'm telling you, he was probably this high. 
Um, not a big deal, you know? Not very charismatic. One funny, one loud, like me. He wasn't, you know, charismatic where you look at him and go, oh, yes, I love to watch and hear him preach and all that stuff there. That man would preach the word of God, and I kid you not, people would take a nap. I'm, not t- I'm telling you, you know you're sleeping when you look over at somebody and they are like this. You know you are knocked out, okay? They were knocked out. You know you're knocked out when you go, wake up, wake up, and you go, oh, oh, oh. Uh, uh. What, 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 what? What did he say? What did he say? Knocked out. Man, when he gave an altar call, I've never seen like anything like this in my life. When that man gave an altar call, people got out of their seats and came flooding to the front, to the front of the altar. He had to get the evangelism. I'm looking at this. I'm going, now, now how does this happen? These people didn't even hear what he had to say. How in the world do they even know what they're doing? They're coming down front, giving their life to Christ. And then, and then I would preach maybe the next week because the pastor's out of town. So I would preach and I would give an altar call and crickets. I'm like, well, wait a minute now. I'm funny. I didn't understand it. And that's when I learned, listen, people coming to Christ has, watch this, you're going to love it. People coming to Christ has nothing to do with the vessel. It has everything to do with the power in the word of God. God is the one who saves people. God, God doesn't need you to be charismatic. God doesn't need you to be uh, cool and hip and have all the right words. Even Paul said, I didn't come to you with, you know, cunning words and, and, and uh, persuasive speech. Paul said, I came to you in the power of, of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that, sa- that saves people. That man had the gift of evangelism where people would sleep during and then he would give an altar call and people would come to Jesus. Here's some biblical examples of an evangelist or the gift of evangelism. Keep up with me. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Philip is specifically called an evangelist. Acts chapter 8, verse 5 tells us that Philip evangelized in Samaria. Later, Philip evangelized an Ethiopian eunuch. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, Timothy is told by Paul to do the work of an evangelist. Paul the apostle had the gift of evangelism. You know that. He preached the gospel all over the known world at that time. Now, talking about evangelism, listen, let me just clear something up here, and I'm going to clear it up quick, and then we're going to move ahead. Contrary to popular thinking, it isn't the pastor's job to evangelize people. I have heard people say, well, you know, Pastor Rodney, I just wanted to get them to church because I knew if I get them to church and they hear you, they'll give their life to Christ. Or I just need to get them to church so so you can get them saved, Pastor Rodney. Listen, Pastor Rodney can save nobody. The Holy Spirit saves people. Number one, I'm waiting till you clap your hands there. The Holy Spirit saves. Not only that, but the pastor's job is not, I repeat, is not to evangelize. The pastor's job is to equip the saints. Look at verse 12. God has given the pastor teacher for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. If the pastor does his job, you'll be equipped and better able to do yours. Your job is to go tell. 
Your job is to evangelize. The pastor teacher should equip so you have something to go tell. Now, people from time to time ask me, Pastor Rodney, why don't we have more altar calls here at Calvary Chapel and more evangelism here at Calvary Chapel? And I tell them, we've talked about this, I tell them because, one, I don't believe altar calls save people. I really don't. Altar calls don't save people. Jesus saves people. I've given altar calls and no one has come forward. An altar call should be done when the spirit of the Lord leads you to do them. Not because it's expected at the end of the preaching. Not only that, but I've seen the Lord save people from sermons. Like in, in, our, in our mind, preacher mind, they're like these sermons are like really preachable sermons where people really are going to give their life to Christ. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.